Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me again via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. Uh Mike, you spent some time in Bridgeport. Did you uh, run into Josh Hosang recently? No, I did. I was looking for him, too, at a couple of my old haunts. And uh, <laughs> I figured he, he would be somewhere, either like in a thrift shop, like shopping for some cool threads or something. But <laughs> no, I didn't see him. So uh, it was unfortunate because I could have uh, really used some like something uplifting after seeing him get sent down yeah that was uh one part of a very strange sort of up and down week for the islanders um well let's let's start back on monday they they beat the coyotes which uh pretty much everybody does these days uh they uh won what was it six three john Tavares had a hat trick had a hat trick without shooting the puck they were all tip-ins which uh were pretty pretty remarkable then the next day they assigned josh hosang to bridgeport uh, he had been scratched a couple of times. I guess we'll talk about this a little bit more later. Um, and uh, it was surprising, and it was disappointing, and it went over about as well as you could possibly imagine. They followed that up by just a terrible, terrible game in Minnesota where they lost. Uh, they played poorly, but so did the Wild, sort of. And they could have actually still won that game, but just their power, the Islanders' power play was just the most inept thing you've ever seen. They gave up two shorthanded goals, and it was the sky was falling again. 
And then they go into Nashville last night and they play one of their better games this season. Uh, Tavares had another hat trick, which is, uh, you know, pretty cool to see. Uh, Jordan Eberle had his two first, first two goals as an Islander. And uh, it was really a fun game. I mean, at least from an, <laughs> from an Islander's perspective, uh, they, they played a really good team really, really well. And they broke through on the power play against a team that's penalty killing had worked out really well. Um, so uh, and now tomorrow, uh, this is Sunday. We're recording this tomorrow, Monday night. They play the Vegas Golden Knights, who were just uh, a juggernaut at this point. They're 8-1, eight 8-1, one, eight and, one, and they're just... I don't know. They could either destroy the Islanders or the Islanders could <laughs> destroy them and their luck runs out. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's been a really wild week. So uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, how how all over the place has this been for you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been wild. The uh, the Hosang thing, like, just it irks me a little bit because uh, it's one thing to, you know, scratch the guy and whatever. But at, at some point, you're going to have to commit to him, uh, you know, full time. And just so he, he plays. He, like Josh saying is Josh saying. Like Scar Snow, like he made it a point to draft this guy because he had this chip on his shoulder and kind of was a free spirit. And it it, it seemed like the Islanders were in, in love with that whole package, right? And he he had that like infamous quote where yeah, like everybody shit on me too. And uh, <laughs> and, and now yeah, exactly. So <laughs> t-shirt at, at, at our wonderful site, and but but that, but he's kind of like completely 360 on that now that's not it's not what the islanders want you know it's they, they they want him just to kind of toe the company line a little bit and uh you know while they won't go out and say that that's what it seems like and and the thing that irks me you know about the way and this is capuano even scott gordon to some extent actually all the way back i steve sterling had a always had a chateau de bow wow it's like why open for business all the time is that there are some players that if they make a mistake it's like an immediate scratch and you're watching the game and you see like a turnover at the blue line. And the first thing you think is like, Oh God, like hopefully they just scratch him and don't send it to Bridgeport. But then there are other players who can do the same thing. And it's just like, Oh no, well that's, you know, that's not his game. He's a character guy. He, you know, <laughs> he got, he got caught out of baby, but it's fine. He, he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. Like I, I just don't understand it. Like it's some guys, some guys can, you know, get punished and the other guys completely escape punishment because maybe they're, you know, veteran guys or guys who go chip and chase when they need to. It, it, it just pisses me off. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was that my take on the, uh, the Hossein banishment part, what, 11, 12. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing is, um, he had had a really bad game. You know, it goes back to a few games earlier. He had had a really bad game against the Rangers. Uh, I don't even know if a really bad game really covers it. He had just had a yeah, couple of bad turnovers. Yeah, the NHL season's eighty-two games long. Right, you know, uh, you're going to have bad games. But like you said, then then he was scratched for most of the third period, and then you know the game goes to overtime, and I you know I'm with a lot of other people who are saying you know at that point you're in overtime. I feel like now is the time. And again, I'm not a coach. I'm not Doug Waite, and I'm I'm not I obviously didn't score a thousand points in the NHL. But like for me, I, I would have let him play at that point. I would have said like, all right, kid. Don't do, you know, you got to stop with the turnovers. We know that by now. He knows that by now, I'm sure. But, you know, now is a chance to go out there, show me that you can, you've taken these lessons and, you know, help us win a game. And the Islanders won it in the shootout. But, um, you know, I kind of felt like that was the turning point. But then he was scratched the next game, scratched the game after. And, you know, at that point, I don't know if anybody kind of thought that he was going to go to Bridgeport. I feel like we kind of figured he would be back in the lineup at some point. But then he was assigned there and, you know, he says all the right things, and, and I'm with you. Like, you know, they, they got this guy because he brings this sort of electric excitement. Uh, but then they kind of 
you have to sort of like balance it out between they want the excitement, but they also don't want them to turn the puck over in the neutral zone. So I kind of like understand their point, but at the same time, I really feel like there's a better way to teach him that than send him to Bridgeport because ultimately the Islanders are going to need that excitement if they're going to score some goals. And, and I'm with you too. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're great guys and, and I don't have a problem with the Islanders having signed them and everything, but you know, I just, it's even last night in, in a game one, again, one of their better games, the amount you're getting from like Chimera and Kuhlman at this point is really very little. <laughs> you're getting a little bit of zone time. You know, Chimera is good at, you know, kind of busting into the zone and then not doing much. And, and Kuhlman's a very, very good penalty killer. I get that. But, you know, there's got to be something that you can get that would augment your team and put it in place of these two guys because, and I hate to pick on them, but like seriously, their offense is just not there. And, you know, the, the name of the game is to score goals. So I just, you know, I'm with you. And they're, just, they're kind of a similar style player. I mean, I mean, I know Chimera's, you know, quicker than Kuhlman, but they're, they're there to kind of just grind through and make life hard right. and, you know, kill penalties and do the grunt work. And you don't need two of them in the lineup at the same time. Because <laughs> Anthony Bovillier yeah. can do that too. And Casey Zizekas exactly. can both do that too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. So I, I, it just, it doesn't, it, it never like clicked. And, and, I was talking to my brother, and he just, he's just like, I don't know like what happened. Doug Waite, like, he completely changed. <clears throat> it seems like he completely changed his, like, coaching philosophy, um, <clears throat> whether that was because, you know, he had the interim tag and mm-hmm. was kind of just playing with house money last year or something. But, like, it, it seems like they are kind of reverting back to the team they were um, coaching, like, decisions-wise mm-hmm. as Capuano as yeah. they were last year. And uh, that, that that's kind of startling because yeah. – you know, this is this is not even the first month of the season, and we're seeing some <laughs> some, some really strange, uh, you know, coaching decisions and, and lineup moves, and and mm. and like like we always say, this is the Islanders' kind of echo chamber, and this yeah. happens outside. Like Elaine Vigneault is playing like 13 defensemen a game now, and <laughs> so it's, it's it's not like it's not like the, the grass is always greener on, at other yeah. teams, but. Yeah, it just I we I thought the Islanders had I kind of moved on from this. Yeah, our friend Mark had a good. I should have retweeted this. It was on Twitter, but uh, you know he brought up a good point. Like a lot of the Islanders' moves always seem, from a coaching perspective, always seem reactive. Like, oh, we lost a game, we got to change the lines. Oh, we won right. a game, everything stays the same. And and again, like you said, there's they're not the only team to do that, but it always kind of feels like that. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you know, in terms of. Doug Wade changing his style. I, I kind of feel bad because I, I fall into the trap too of being like, oh man, this is like back to Capuano now. I think the, the the problem is that like neither one had a style that you could sort of point to. And this is the thing that sort of drives me crazy. Maybe I just, you know, again, I'm looking at a grass is greener type of situation, but like, you know, when Ken Hitchcock takes over a team, you know, it's a Ken Hitchcock team. Like he barreled and whether you like it or not, he turns them into this sort of like defensive stifling boring <laughs> team uh like he has forever or you know when daryl slaughter takes over a team you know what you're going to get this that king style grinding boring again team um but like capuano really had no style it was you know freewheeling one minute and then stifling defensive the next minute and wait sort of that same thing too they kind of both preach the idea of like we want to keep these guys creative we don't want to stifle anybody's creativity but they have to be um you know, uh, was responsible defensively. And that's all sounds great. I'm all for that. But ultimately the, the answer, you know, the, the final product turns out to be pretty boring. And, uh, I guess that's a good transition to kind of what we want to talk about. I didn't want to talk too much about tomorrow's game because 
it literally anything could happen and I don't want this podcast to have a shelf life of literally eight hours. <laughs> so I don't want to do that. Um, but, uh, so I kind of want to talk about, and you know, I, we kind of, for once we actually prepared for a podcast before we actually start talking. Um, and Tyler Dello at the athletic, uh, wrote a thing about, um, he kind of broke down one, one for the Western conference, one for the Eastern conference, uh, what each team is getting out of their top six and bottom six and who's, who's getting more shots. Who's, you know, uh, um, I guess, uh, suppressing more shots in various parts. And he didn't talk much about the Islanders, but he basically summed them up by saying they might be the most perfectly average team in the NHL, which I thought was pretty pretty telling. It's almost a compliment when you think about it. Uh, they're perfectly average. Um, so I kind of want to talk about like how we got to this point and like whose fault it is, in a, I guess, in a way. I don't think there's a right answer to this, but I feel like it kind of breaks down into three different potential spots. And we'll talk about the first one, which is construction which falls under Garth Snow. Obviously, I don't need to tell you and I don't need to tell anybody that reads our blog and listens to the podcast that a lot of people blame Garth Snow, and that's fine. He's been the GM for 11 years. This is entirely his roster. It's been his this way for so long. He is the guy that put the team together. Um, if there's a problem spot there, it's on him because he signed the guy. Um, so I totally understand that, and I you know, a lot of times I feel like I'm the guy who wrote that he should have been fired after last year because of the mismanagement. So I guess that's pretty much where I lie. I haven't changed my mind. Um, but what do you think? Like, is that how much of the blame falls on snow, I guess, in the big pie chart of where this is? And, uh, you know, I guess, is it, is it mostly on him? Is it a little bit on him? Is it kind of, you know, one third on him or, or, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, I skewed toward him more than, uh, anywhere else just because, like you said, like it starts with first of all, with the the way the Islanders are, we don't have to get into anything. But there's so many bigger things on the Islanders' ownership's plate than like team construction and and you know little decisions. So it's it's kind of you know not surprising to see that they don't you know there's no pressure on Darth Snow. It seems like somehow forever, and you know it looked maybe like there was a little bit, but there isn't at all. And I, uh, I just want to say that this was also the same thing with Mike Milbury too, by the way, which is when everybody oh, right. was like, Oh, how could, how could Milbury have had that job for so long? Um, there was nobody there to fire him. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of easy to keep your job like that. Anyway, yeah, continue. Like, I feel like, yeah, it shows up to work. Then would show up to work. They look around. Nobody else is in the office. Like, oh, all right. I guess right. I can, I guess I get to go to work again today. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I think it, it kind of goes all the way back to, to, I guess McNeil need a rider, for example, right? But, so that trade when it happened, when it happened, was uh, kind of telling of, of how the Islanders, because they were going, they were like committing to the youth and the core, and then all of a sudden, they they take the sharp right turn. Need a rider obviously had some baggage and was a, unhappy, maybe because he was playing with goddamn Jay Pandolfo and Marty <laughs> Reasoner and whoever else when he when he when he played. Uh, and, and anytime he made a mistake, he would scratch, and and obviously yeah. him and agent didn't get along with stuff. So then he trades him to Clutterbuck and whatnot, and Nita Ryder ends up being a great, really one of the best forwards in the league. Uh, when you look at like all his, his, his entire package, and now like you, so when you take that, and then now you kind of use what that precedent sent to the, to the team and to, to the Islanders fans. Now we're here with, and he's doing the kind of the same thing with this young team, and he's, he's not giving guys a chance to be who they are. And and when you send that message, plus you're committing tons of term. And uh, money and resources to guys who you probably shouldn't, and no other team would like it, it, the Clutterbuck deal, the Sezikis deal, et cetera. Like if those guys hit the open market, they wouldn't be getting nearly what they got from the Islanders. And, and so he's now backed the Islanders into this weird spot where they're they're kind of he's kind of constrained them um, 
cap term and whatever. So I, I, I mean, I really don't think he did a good job of putting this team together, especially at the stage they should be at with, with Tavares in his prime and right. these young players coming through the system. So for me, that's like my, my long-winded way of uh, <laughs> saying that, that I, I'm not, not a fan of the way he's handled things. Right. Well, that's, that gets back to, you know, I guess the being perfectly average, like being perfectly average is fine, but like eight, 10 years into your tenure and we could, we've stopped calling it a rebuild a long time ago. Um, you know, you should be more than perfectly average. Um, you know, uh, just to play devil's advocate, uh, you know, the funny thing to me about snow and every time I think that I've just, you know, I can't take it anymore and, and he needs to move on is yeah. Number one. Yeah. Ownership likes him. So he ain't going anywhere until he's good and ready, but you know, and I'm not saying the, the need rider thing is obviously pretty bad. Um, who was the other guy I was thinking of too, that, you know, the, um, Jared Spurgeon, they let go. A lot of people don't realize that too. And he's, he's been a heck of a player for, for Minnesota for a long time, you know, but then there are times like he picks up Thomas Hickey on waivers and, you know, we both love Thomas Hickey or he, you know, signs, uh, Thomas Grice, who's turned out to be pretty darn good. Um, for all the guys, you know, the, the young guys that we could talk about that got the heave ho, um, you know, there's my Matthew Barzell <laughs> wowing and dazzling, uh, everybody in Nashville last night with these crazy goals and scoring, uh, you know, timely goals before the end of periods and stuff. And, uh, that's worked out pretty well. And obviously, you know, Anders Lee was a sixth round pick and he's ensconced in the team. And so, you know, th- there's enough good there that you can think, yeah, you know what, maybe he's, we're kind of like overstating how, how badly this has gone. All right. So that brings us to the second potential uh person at fault for this whole thing and that's the coaching staff in this case it's Doug Waite obviously for a long time it was Jack Capuano um you know how much is Waite to blame for this so I guess in a way I'm sort of saying like if let's assume for a minute that the team that Snow put together is good and and they're a championship team a potential championship team they've got the pieces there that could go far in the playoffs and actually, you know, compete with the best in the league. But what if they're not being utilized correctly? And, and, you know, there's something again, again, we just talked before about, you know, weight style is really no style to Capuana style was no definitive style. It's just kind of there. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I love hearing weight talk. Every time I t- said this on Twitter the other day, every time he speaks, I want to believe everybody he said he's a very, uh, charismatic and you, he's very motivational. You want to believe what he's saying. And then the game starts and all of a sudden the team is like got their head in the clouds and it's very, very frustrating. I can't tell, you know, from a systems point of view, what the heck is actually going on other than grinding and getting shots, which is great. I want to see that. But then, you know, he scratches Hosang, he scratches Beauvillier, he sends one guy to the minors. Uh, you know, he scratches Thomas Hickey, which you know, ticks me off if I like the fact that Hickey's on the team because Snow got him. I want to see him play. I don't want to see him, you know, sitting in the press box. He plays Dennis Seidenberg, who again we're kind of kind of over at this point. No offense, but I'm kind of over him. Um, so, like again, let's assume for a minute that Snow's team is good and and like they are, they have the talent to compete with the best in the league. How much is weight influencing that to a negative degree? <laughs> yeah, I, well. Like you said, like he's a, such a good talker, and he's like a charming dude and whatever. But uh, a lot of times, like like what he was talking about, Hosega, not to beat a dead horse. He he was saying, oh, you know, I am I'm I'm confident with Josh in the lineup. It's not yeah. I'm not you know he, he went on this whole diatribe, and then the next day, you know, he he makes you feel like oh, you know, I mean, he's just 
you know, he's in the doghouse, he's learning a lesson, whatever, we'll see him tomorrow. And then we don't, we see him at Britney's on his way to Bridgeport <laughs> after, you know, yeah. so that which is frustrating. Yeah. He I, said the I, same thing about Hickey too, by the way, in yesterday's notes, like, oh, we, he's a great player and we've done great things for us and all that. And now he's scratched. So. Yeah, now he's scratched for <laughs> Dennis Seidenberg. Who, who and like it goes it, it's just it's a it's weird because like you said like i i when i when you watch the doug Wade team you, you you brought up a good point like i don't see like a hallmark i think last year you kind of did you know they were kind of just playing very loose and like and maybe that's like we were saying that was just house money like he was just saying you know go out we got to basically win at a at a big clip to, to make the playoff so no pressure and so now i think maybe over the long season he's, he's being a little more rigid and stuff and but some of the decisions he's making are, are driving me mad. The, the the clutterbuck on the power play <laughs> was insane. Like, I, yeah. when I saw, because, all right, it's one thing if, if Cal Clutterbuck's on the uh, playing on the power play with you know twenty six seconds left in a game and or yeah. or in a power play and maybe they're struggling and it's just you know, you've given yeah. up on the power play and you hope maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. But they, if I'm not mistaken. Scott Mayfield was in like the box or something and the Islanders were four on four and they go five on four and so. Whoever, uh, I think it was Brendan Burke, was saying, all right, Mayfield's going to dart across the ice and be replaced by somebody. And he's like, oh, it looks like it's going to be Cal Clutterbuck. I was shocked. <laughs> but but yeah. then, I, then I remembered, you know, four minutes later, that Wade had, Wade had surpa- or bypassed Johnny Boychuk, who's got one, you know, one of the best five shots of, on, on the roster. Or, and he, he's someone who creates space on the power play because people have to respect his shot. For Adam Pellick, who's, you know, pretty much useless in the offensive end despite his, you know, three assist game the other day. So I was just like, I'm like, what, what is going on? You've got Scott Gomez and Doug Wade who, who got, you know, nearly 2000 NHL points between them. So many Stanley, you know, Stanley cup among them. And they don't know better than to put, you know, somebody with a great shot against the defensive specialist who's, you know, not all that great on a power yeah. play. On the point of power play. It, it, it drove me nuts. I was just like, this is not, <laughs> I'm wondering yeah. if they're literally, you know, and this comes back to something we say all the time, if they're just doing it to, to like kind of troll Islander fans. Sometimes <laughs> it's just like they do. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I I don't think anybody really got what to me the, the Clutterbuck thing was just sort of like I am out of ideas and I like this guy and I want to see because because Capuano had had Clutterbuck on the power play too for a while there. Clutterbuck he had Clutterbuck playing with uh, Tavares for a while and as as his line mate. So again, there's something about that veteran guy that the coach just likes that they. Uh, they just want to go back to that. It's sort of the comfort food for them. But the coaching staff, the power play coaching staff, like you mentioned, is just driving me crazy. Kelly Bookberger and uh, and Gomez are in charge of the power play with, I'm sure, some input from Wade. And like you said, I mean, how many how many points do those guys have? The 2,500 probably points combined between the three of them. And uh, the power play is just bad. One thing about Boychuk, though, and I thought about this last night when they scored three goals in, on the power play against Nashville. I wonder if they – as much, as great as Boychuk's shot is, I wonder if the fact that he's so slow kind of made them rethink his point on the power play because getting back to prevent those shorthanded goals might be an issue for him. I just, I don't know. It's kind of me, again, thinking out loud, playing devil's advocate. Um, yeah, you know, that, I, but then again, like the, the shorthanded stuff, the goals against shouldn't be a problem. Like, you know, no NHL team really has like a, a season, <laughs> you know, a season like, uh, bombarded because they gave up a lot of shorthanded goals. So you hope right. that kind of just like rectifies itself and the Islanders, the staff right. isn't being, you know, react, re, like you said, reactive versus, uh, you know, proactive and progressive. But, the, and then the same thing thinking, all right, like down, if 
say that, say that is the problem. You don't want to put Boychuk. Maybe he's getting picked apart a little bit, and teams are kind of keying in on him when he's got the puck on his stick. And no, he can't really. You know, he's not a great distributor, and it's, it's, he's a one-trick pony, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Adam Pellick to me is the sixth out of six uh, <laughs> of the defensemen I'd want on the on on running a point on a power play, and, and for some reason he's like this golden child. Right. It, it's a it's so bothering. I don't know. Yeah, no, that that and well, that's to me. I mean, not just on the power play. Like, I mean, Brendan talked on the on the broadcast about how, like, back in junior, Pellick ran the power play, and I had a bunch of really good players. I couldn't remember; I can't remember who the names were, but guys that you know are NHL players now, uh, working the power play with him, and that's fine. I'm sure everybody has played the power play at some point in their NHL career throughout all those years. Um, but you know, Pellick to me, and in fairness, he has played pretty well this year. I mean, he's at like yeah, I think he's at a fifty percent. Corsi four, which is pretty good. Um, you know, he's just a boring, steady kind of guy. And like you've said, he's to us, I agree with you. To me, I agree with you, I should say. He's the perfect seventh defenseman. You can plug him in, you don't have to worry about him. He's gonna make smart decisions. He's not gonna sort of like, you know, glaringly miss stuff that other people wouldn't miss. Um, but it looks like from Doug's um lineup decisions that they're really trying to keep him in the lineup as opposed to making him that seventh guy and kind of rotating him in. Whereas you can play Ryan Pullock, who had a great game last night to help score those power play goals and Hickey, who we know is a smart guy who, you know, can, can, can play really well and play with anybody pretty much. Uh, there was a time yesterday we thought Calvin DeHaan was going to get scratched because of the line, yeah. the practice lines, which is like, Oh, come on, seriously. And obviously then you've got Letty and, and Boychuk. So, uh, you know, to me, again, I, I agree with you. Pellick would be better off as the seventh guy rather than the sort of regular other guys. You know, Mayfield has brought some stuff so far that has made, you know, some real impact. And I'd like to see him play a regular shift and maybe kind of break into that thing. But at least for Pollock, <laughs> Pellick should be sitting. But, you know, this all gets back to, you know, is the team, is the talent on the team being utilized correctly? And I think there's an argument to say that they are not. Uh, based on all of these moves and, and changes and things like that. so, um, But then there's the third option, and it, we don't really talk about this, I think, that much, and I guess it kind of gets back to the construction argument. But what if, again, the team is built, like on paper, they are a good team, they can compete with anybody else. What if they actually are being coached the right way, but they just aren't executing right? And the reason I thought about this and kind of what made me think about this whole exercise is after that Minnesota game, which was terrible, I mean, nobody really had a good game, <laughs> except Barzell. He he actually looked pretty good, but nobody really had a good game. Two things really stuck out to me. One, in his post-game remarks, um, Waite said that, you know, the frustrating thing about the game was they practiced and preached 24 hours ahead of time about exactly what the, the Wild were going to do, and then it took the Islanders 30 minutes to actually, you know, buy in to the game plan. And at that point, they actually started – you know, evening things out, but by then you're already down three or four nothing. And what difference does it make? I mean, you're already half hour into the game and it's, it's over essentially. And that's not the time to buy in. You got to buy in from the beginning. And man, that first period for the Islanders in Minnesota was something truly awful. And then after the game, also in, in Newsday, Hickey was saying pretty much the same thing. Like, you know, we, they were prepared, they were excited, they were ready to go. They had practiced and, and they were all set and just, they, you know, the, they killed off a three on a five on three within like the first, I don't know, whatever it was, eight minutes of the game, and they really should have been energized by it. Instead, it just took all the air out of their sails, and the wheels came off before the first period was even half over. And so to me, that was sort of like, okay, well, if they're prepared, uh, or if they're at least being coached to be prepared, 
why do they come out so poorly? <laughs> and maybe that's just like, you know, again, the team just not responding to the coach. And again, you know, if you're if everything on paper is great and then the coaching is working, why aren't the players working? Is this just me kind of trying to come up with something or is there maybe some some value to this? You get what I'm saying? I don't know. It seems kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, like it's just like uh you know, the players, I guess what you're saying is the players do deserve their share of the blame if the Islanders are perfectly average when they have, you know, a good enough team. Like the Islanders are, they, everybody coming into the season thought they were a fringe playoff team uh, or, or a team that should make the playoffs more often than they shouldn't. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think that there is some, but I think that the, the, the problem is that, like, outside of John Tavares, who's, and, and you know, you could say Andrews Lee, I think that everybody's role is kind of like still up in the air. Uh, I guess you can say Everly too, kind of like your what your role is. You know, you're, you're riding shotgun on the Tavares show as well. But like, to me, everybody else kind of doesn't have, uh, you know, that that kind of role. Like, uh, like I look at Andrew Ladd. I'm I'm not sure. Like, what 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 is Andrew Ladd supposed to be at this point? You know, is he supposed to be that you know your second line scoring threat, or is he? now kind of your third line checking center and yeah. you know, he was on the fourth line <laughs> with yeah, Beauvillier yeah uh, yeah no that's a good point yeah. like what what is he at this point because he's definitely not Tavares's winger which I think we all kind of figured he was signed to be he's right yeah you signed somebody for and and you know I guess that kind of goes all the way up the ladder like he, he gets straddled with this monster contract without <laughs> you know being the guy that he's he, like you said he was brought here to be so I and, and then like I think Barzal is, Barzal is he's like just Awesome. Uh, mm. I love watching the guy. I think he's now kind of finding his feet and, and his role. And uh, so, and then, like, even defensively, too. Like, I don't know. Like, who, 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 who's like, uh, who's supposed to be the guys that, that are, you know, going to be relied on for the power play minutes? It could be someone different every night. So, I, I, I wonder if that is, is, is kind of trickling down to the execution that, you know, these guys are, are kind of like trying to be, you know, square pegs into round holes or whatever the, the, the cliche is. Uh, but I, I, to, to, to the most part, though, watching the games, I've, I've looked at, I haven't like been like real disappointed with, you know, outside of, I would say like, you know, the usual suspects of guys who aren't just that good, been that disappointed with the way anyone's played. Uh, yeah, Lad, Lad is, Lad has actually played pretty well. I think yeah. his, his scoring numbers have actually been pretty good. Um, you know, I feel like he might settle into a role as like, trigger man in a way whether it's for barzell or uh beauvillier or even you know nelson if he goes back to center or whatever or casey sezikis maybe you know he's the guy who because he's got a good shot and and he's not the slowest player in the world and i feel like you know if he can find a spot with a center who can set him up and just he could rip it away uh that might be a successful thing but uh yeah i know i just those two quotes really kind of got me and i get you know you bring up a good point too like is there a lot of shuffling going on which kind of can contribute to that. I've always felt like that's why it took Josh Bailey a long time to to find the kind of player he is because especially under Capuano it was a different thing every time. Like is this guy a defensive player? Is was he brought in to be an offensive only player? Is he a center? Is he a winger? What the heck is he? Is he second line? Is he first line? Is he fourth line? Like I don't know. Like I feel bad for him and until they put him with with Tavares. Now he's played really well again with even without Tavares. Kind yeah. of just found found the kind of niche that spot for him which is sort of like you know, puck retrieval guy setup man uh an occasional you know yeah i uh, yeah, <laughs> popping goal scorer but yeah dipsy doodler is cool but uh, i just thought it was kind of interesting and again I, I like hickey a lot he's a smart guy and when he says we were prepared we went in there excited 
and ready for this, and we just never got on track. I, I, that kind of to me is like a warning sign. You know, if the coach says it, I feel like he's almost kind of like blaming the players, <laughs> which you know I can kind of get to if you're frustrated, especially. You know, nobody, nobody wears those frustrations after losses more than Doug Wade and John Tavares, for that matter. Tavares wears frustrations of wins on yeah, his face, which he, is pretty he remarkable. He scored a hat trick yesterday. He looked pissed off. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he looked like he just had to put his... Second hat trick in a week, and he looks like he just put his dog down. You know, like it's just... <laughs> it was really bad. I thought yeah. it was so funny, too, that, uh, you know, right before his he's got on this inevitable hot streak that I think it was Everly or Clutterbuck was saying that, you know, he does this every year. He like goes through a mini slump and it looks right. like he wants to end it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's about to like give up on his hockey career. And, <laughs> yeah. Right, going to so golf he, professionally. Yeah. If, yeah. if you needed, if you really needed more more uh, evidence that he's just perfect for Islanders and Islanders fans. Yeah, it's it's very funny. Yeah, he's. I mean, I guess he'll only smile. Uh, there was some photographic evidence of his smiling. Uh, our friend Mike B pointed that out before the game. He actually cracked a smile, and then that was it for the next twenty four hours. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, smiles, smiles three times, a, or it should smile three times a year. It's a hypothetical it's for the puppy calendar shoot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when he when he you know wins the Stanley Cup, and then when he gets named a Hart Trophy uh, winner. So that's those are the only times you'll get the, the smiles out of there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, one real quick thing too. Um, when you say execution, I always think of uh, well, think of player execution. I always think of one of the great lines of all time from. Uh, John McKay, who coached the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks when they went 0-14. And at some point, somebody asked him, what do you think your team's execution? And McKay said, I'm all for it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so like I said, I mean, I, I think this was this was good. I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around. I don't think there's a right answer. I mean, we've seen blame yeah, they, spread all over the place. It, this way, is, like, is it good? Is it just a good thing if the way the NHL is right now to be perfectly average, right? It's like Right. You, you basically, if you get into the tournament at the end of the year, you have just as good a chance as anybody except for the Penguins, really. So <laughs> it's it's like if you can kind of just like stay, stay above above water and, and make it to the playoffs and hope, you know, you're either one of your good, you have two good goalies get, gets hot and Tavares does what he does. Like you, you have a, a like a almost legitimate shot at the thing. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a definitely an interesting uh, kind of argument. Uh, and and they've had that. I mean, they've been on record saying that before for years. Capuano, wait, even Tavares, like we just want to get in. Like if we get in, we'll see what happens, and that's fine. I mean, they're not wrong. Certainly, like you said, I mean, anything can happen. Even you know, unless you're the Penguins, where you pretty much expect to win a Stanley Cup. But uh, you know, it'd be nice to not be perfectly mediocre or perfectly average. It'd be nice yeah. to kind of like you know win a President's Trophy. Right, yeah. I know everybody makes fun of it, but I, I I'd like one. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be cool too. Like, like you look at a team like the Capitals and the Penguins the past couple of years, uh, obviously struggling a little bit this year in Washington. But, but just know, being a fan and being like, all right, like there's an eighty percent chance that you know eight out of every ten games that the good the good team shows up. And and sure, we'll have a dud, but it's not going to be every other game like hmm. the Islanders had. They were they were <laughs> literally two just completely different teams from yeah. And and that it would really be nice if that wasn't the case. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. This week is, is very much indicative of kind of the could, Islanders fan experience. You could say that last night they they probably rostered their like the worst possible roster of of, of like makeup <laughs> as five, and they and they played their best game. So just... <laughs> yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So and there you go, and they, and they played their uh, uh, you know, and again the the. the Predators were coming off a, a game where they won in Chicago the night before, and that's fine. But I mean, we've seen a lot of games where the Islanders played a uh, 
a team that had played on the road the night before, and then they you know they come out and beat the heck out of the Islanders too. So uh, we've seen seen it all just in one week in a way. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so uh, one other cool thing that they did, and we didn't get to talk about it, although it happened, I think, after we recorded our last episode, was uh, they had alumni night, which uh, was against the Sharks. It was pretty cool. They had a, a bunch of guys come out, and it wasn't just um, – you know, we've seen – we're used to seeing Clark Gillies and Butch Goring come out for these things, but there were some guys there, man. Steve Thomas was there. I don't remember the last time I've seen Steve Thomas at an Islanders event, which was really cool. Um and, Mark Parrish was there. Dave Scatchard was there. It's always great to see Dave Scatchard. Aaron right. Ashton was there. And uh, Peter Mika was yeah, there. Peter Mika. How about <laughs> who that? Play- yeah, who had played three games for the Islanders, and he came all the way from Europe. Uh, and they were like, why the hell did you come all the way out here for this? And he was like, that was one of the greatest moments of my life, was putting on that jersey for the first time and playing in the NHL. And I wanted to honor the team and, and celebrate that. And we were like, dang, dude, that's pretty cool. Even Graham Townsend. You're hired. The hell- You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. You're now the uh, executive director of like player ops or something. Right. He's now chief of uh, Czech uh, Republic scouting. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Graham Townsend was there. All a bunch of weird guys <laughs> were there. That it was like, oh my god. Um, so I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I would like to see more of these. Apparently, the players loved it. John Ledecky got a lot of praise. I mean, he pretty much footed the bill for the whole thing. They, they had dinner the night before, and uh, uh, that's pretty cool. I'm glad that that happened and. Uh, you know, hopefully it has, more of it happens. What What do you think? You thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I loved it. I think because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 1990, so I was on the wrong side of basically everything in Islanders history. And so guys like Aaron Asham and Dave Scatchard, Mark Parrish, even Randy Robitaille, those guys mean a lot. To me. <laughs> yeah, that was the other guy, Randy Robitaille. <laughs> I was so happy to see him. I was. And, it was funny because the the next the next day I saw like some Sabres account tweeted like they tweet a goal a day a video of a goal a day and it was Randy Robitaille getting his pocket picked by Chris Jury <laughs> and scoring like a a shorthanded goal against the Islanders but uh like just like those guys like the Islanders because of how great the dynasty was and how like just mind blowingly unbelievable like that 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 whole stretch was when they do these things they kind of just t- naturally tend to focus right on those guys and then the Flatleys and the Lafontaine. Hmm. Whereas, like you know, the, that 2001-2002 team is probably one of my favorite, you know, sports teams ever. Right? Of all the teams I've ever watched, and, and you know, across all, all my sports, that hmm. that was like the first team I really like felt emotionally attached to. And so to see the yeah, Scatchard and Parish, and, and you know, even Ash, like I think that, Sean that was Bates awful. was there too, wasn't he? Wasn't Bates there too? Was Bates there? I think so. Maybe I'm confusing him with somebody else, but I thought he was but, there. <laughs> but like, and then and then like. Even like 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 I said, like Randy Robitaille, like like that team, and when they went on that that run to, at the end of the year, Randy Robitaille was acquired by the Islanders twice. Like he means a lot to me. Like and so <laughs> and, to, and to see like what I'm, I'm I mean I'm sure Randy uh, and like Aris Bermanis, who we've said his name on this right. show, this might as, this might as well be the Aris Bermanis podcast. But uh, I don't know if that's what clicked in Ledecky's head, where he's like, you know what, like there's there is a generation of fans who these are like the guys that gave him the best memories or if he's just was like you know let's, let's just make it open to everyone and you know see what sticks uh but it was really cool and, and kind of like ramped him up a couple notches in my book uh that maybe maybe he gets it a little more than i've given him credit for yeah uh, he was uh he spent the the way there on the train you know meeting with fans and shaking hands and there just happened to be a camera crew there which I think is a little <laughs> bit suspicious, but uh, he ended up taking these people to uh, the game and giving them tickets. And whether they were plants or not, it's still kind of a cool thing to see. Uh, 
uh, you know, him him bringing people and and I give him a lot of credit for meeting people because, man, I, I wouldn't want to meet Islanders fans out in the wild, like especially after losses and, you know, I'm not the owner and I already kind of dread sometimes having to hear about oh this guy sucks or this guy uh, they should fire this guy like I get it I'm not I'm not disagreeing at all but I just you know it's a kind of an energy sapping thing but when you're the owner I mean what what kind of stuff must he hear you know I mean he must probably get a lot of like and this guy stinks why has he ever been here get rid of him and you know who the heck even knows what and, but he's always there he's at every game he's at every road game apparently too was which staple has said so uh i give him a lot of credit and the person i think who deserves a lot of credit i mean besides ledecky is whatever whoever they put in charge of finding these guys because that could not have been very easy yeah. to track down literally every player the islanders have ever had like clark gillies is there all the time you pick up the phone and you call him but like how the heck do you even find a peter mika Across the the Atlantic Ocean <laughs> in Czech Republic, and uh, and track him down and be like, hey man, you want to come to an Islanders game? Even just get his email address. That could not have right. been easy. So yeah. kudos and to whatever intern. Did that. that is funny. I didn't even think about that. Like the logistics <laughs> of it. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> but that's, I, I also want to know like like what what he was thinking when uh, you know right. like, like rubbing shoulders against Brian Trottier, like you know getting get when he. I love the announce like when they announce the players. They're like. You know, going through what everybody did, and then when Katsubika, they're like, and this guy played for the Islanders in 2000. Yeah, and like, and nobody knew who he was, so he just like, took right. Oh, well, great. There was a video um, of Trottier you know, talking about it. And he basically said like, it was really cool for him and the older guys to actually meet some of these younger guys because they never got a chance because, which I think is implying that they didn't spend too much time as, as Islanders, you know, they didn't really get a chance to like, well, and, right. and Trottier in particular was kind of like, you know, they had had a separation for a long time, but it was cool for him to talk to these guys who had never gotten, they never really got a chance to talk about their experience. I mean, their experience as Islanders was much different than Trottier's. Let's put it that way. But, uh, he said it was a cool time for them to all to get together and talk about it. And, you know, like I wrote on, on the blog, like it's, you know, the Islanders mean different things to different people. Like for me, I'm, I'm older than you are. So I, I go back to, you know, a little bit of the dynasty, but mostly I'm a, I'm a LaFontaine era guy and, and, you know, that team and the sort of residual greatness of the, the dynasty team kind of carried over. And there was still a lot of pride in the Islanders. That's why I always say like that, you know, I'm an Islanders fan because Long Island had pride in this team and they loved it. And it was a topic of conversation. You weren't that weird hockey guy at your office because everybody talked about the Islanders all the time. It was cool. Um, by the time you came along, man, yeah. I don't know how the hell the, <laughs> this team still has fans that are your age, but you know they still do. And guys like Randy Robitaille and and Mark Parrish or whoever are, are a part of that. Oh, Jan Denis was there too. How could we yeah, forget him? Yeah. Oh, I actually wanted to say something, but that was that was great <laughs> because that yeah. team was so bad and so unwatchable, and him and Joey McDonald just took it <laughs> on the skin. It was like these are two not NHL goalies. They're like, all right, listen, like we're going to be bad this year. We know we're going to be bad. Who are like the two? fringe backup goalies who are in between like that we can get away with rostering oh we'll call joey mack and we'll call Jan Denis and, and just be like all right this is who we're riding with oh that was that was beautiful and the funny thing about both those guys is they found work with other nhl teams and i'm always yeah. like did you guys watch the islanders because <laughs> it's like they were, what I are you doing like a like an upper because mcdonald was kind of the de facto starter and right and Everyone was like, the knee's better. We should be riding yeah. with Jan Denis. Like, if you're saying that, <laughs> if you're clamoring for Jan yeah. Denis to get worse starts, oh, no. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, Dom always talks about that, like, back in the day when the, the, the very early days of the Tavares era, like, we're splitting hairs over guys, uh, fourth-line guys on a team that's going to win 30 games. Like, what are we even talking about, you know? Yeah. It's like um, – 
but that those are fun times because it's like, yeah, I mean, I can't even think of who, who you know, yeah, we got plays. Zenon's got to get more minutes, and you know, he he put him on the, on the penalty kill. He's pretty good. Like we're talking about Zenon Kanopka here, who was also there by the way, yeah, who got was. a big uh, a big ovation. Um, to me, Joey McDonald will always be the guy who beat the Red Wings in Detroit by making like yeah. fifty five saves or something like that. Like he had an insane the game that of his life. <laughs> It was like wasn't it like New Year's Eve or something like he yeah, just it was. He, and they won they won like one nothing and I can't yeah. I can I can if I thought about it long enough I remember I think Parenteau might have scored the goal but it was somebody <laughs> and, and and it was it was like the Islanders Stanley Cup that year yeah it was just it was one of the most insane performances that and there was a Nabokov game in Philly where the Islanders yeah. won one nothing yeah. and he and made like that head. yeah right yeah yeah they hadn't won in Philly in years years yeah. and. Uh, uh, he made like forty-five saves, and and they were the most insane saves you've ever seen. And I just I can't even believe yeah. I watched it. <laughs> it's crazy. In my head, I'm pretty. I'm, I don't know if I'm totally sure if this is correct, but I'm pretty sure. Like I remember watching that game. I was in college and like explaining it to my friends. One of whom is a, a Bruins fan. The other one's like a, a Devils fan. So they didn't know. Like, why does this matter so much to you? And I was just like, look what this guy is doing right now. Like, he's like <laughs> standing on his head, ending this yeah. curse that we have in Philly, and uh that was a great yeah, game. That was great. Yeah, that was that was pretty. I would have. I would have loved. To, I know he's. You know, with the Sharks, I would have loved to see the back up there. In this yeah, I'm who, kind who of surprised. You, you, like next year, let's say they do it again next year, who would be top on your list of guys that you'd want to see walk that red carpet? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Nabokov definitely. I actually was surprised he wasn't there because they played the Sharks that night. I yeah, thought he no. would have just, you know, jumped on the team plane and flown over with them. But I just want to see Stan and Nabby get back together for. Uh, a, a thing. They should, just, they should just take over this podcast. Yeah, that would be great. Um, Wade Dublowitz, when I think of Jan Denis, I um, think of Dublowitz too. I know. I was uh, I was waiting for him to be announced. I really was. Yeah. I was like, they got to get him. I think he would get a huge, huge ovation. Oh, totally. Oh, my God. Well, that's one that, I mean, everybody can kind of remembers yeah. him, whether you're a 25-year-old guy or hang <laughs> is um, I would like to see them do more like Islanders Hall of Fame stuff. They kind of got away with it. You know, I guess the move and everything, they kind of. Yeah. shelved it for a little while but hopefully if they get this new building in belmont they can actually open up like a for real islanders hall of fame and they can have all kinds of cool stuff uh you know i hate to beat this horse forever but tonelli is a guy who i've i mean whatever grudge he has against the team it's got to come to an end man i mean this is like five five different ownership situations bill tory doesn't work for the team anymore whoever it was john pickett doesn't work for the team anymore like whatever they got whatever hatchet needs to be buried they should really bury it and that's fine also i don't know why bossy wasn't there i guess he might have been working I know he said some stuff about Tavares, but I mean, come on, man. It's Mike Bossy. And I, I feel like Kelly Rudy said that he couldn't make it because he was working. Dennis Potvin's obviously working. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there that are working. Ray Ferraro. Um, but hopefully this, you know, opens the door for, for more of these to come. Uh, anybody? I mean, it sounds like they had a lot of you guys you liked, but was there anybody else that you would kind of feel like you'd want to come? Yeah, no, I was basically just Dubowitz. <laughs> they, 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 they should just have a way Dubowitz night where we yeah. just like – Maybe maybe just watch every game that that run and him yeah. playing. And Personally, like I would like to see Ryan Smith come back, but I'm afraid he would get booed. But yeah, Ryan Smith was good weird. as an Islander. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe he's the yeah. one guy who. Oh, it's Kirk like, Muller definitely not. Kirk Muller. <laughs> yeah, that would that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah, like they had yeah. an Islanders heel night. <laughs> Kirk Muller, Dale like, Hunter, you know, uh, Ryan cool. Smith. Who else would have been great? Was would have been uh, Claude Lapointe. 
yeah, Lapointe. I think he works for some for some other team now too. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, hopefully it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and they can blow it out and and make it a bigger event. And uh, it's kudos to the guys who came, and and huge huge kudos to the team for for putting it together. And uh, however yeah, much it cost, awesome. it was definitely worth as it. As much as much as we rag on the Islanders, that was like that was something that was really cool. When I heard they were doing it, I got so excited because they like I think Dave Scatcherd. I follow him on Twitter. It was like the first. The first thing I heard heard of this whole thing was that Scatchard was involved. I was like, if Dave Scatchard is involved, it, this might be pretty cool. Yeah, um, but no, that brings up a good point. I don't want to get into all into it, but they didn't really advertise it that much. And again, it was like a, a game against the Sharks, who are really not, you know, it's a Western Conference team. There's no rivalry there going on, and, but they didn't really advertise it that much. And, and the attendance wasn't great. It was only about twelve thousand, at least, you know, announced. And so hopefully, you know, again, bear. Based on the reaction to this year, is they they really make a big thing of it and really get a packed house and hopefully can get you know people from all kinds of generations to to come up right. and, and show for it. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, okay, so let let's wrap up real quick. Um, they have a really weird schedule coming up uh, again. Vegas tomorrow night on Monday. They play at Washington on Thursday. I watched the Caps beat the Oilers last night uh, uh, in, in Edmonton. And then they have Saturday off, Friday, Saturday off. They play Colorado at home on Sunday, then Edmonton on Tuesday, which we'll get to in a second, and then they're off to Dallas and St. Louis uh, on Friday and Saturday of next week. So, I mean, it's five games. Colorado's actually been pretty good this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, they haven't been quite the tire fire. That doesn't mean that they, the Islanders can't win that game. Uh, they could also probably beat the Caps. But Edmonton, to me, is a really interesting one because uh, – Reports now say that uh, Nick Kipios was saying on Sportsnet that the Oilers are already ready to move on from Ryan Strom, which on one hand makes me kind of happy, but on the other hand makes me kind of sad for the kid because I know he's, he works real hard and I feel bad that this is happening to him. But uh, the Oilers are in a real bad way now, and outside of McDavid, they're they're not getting anything from anybody, and I really hope that the Islanders can can take that one. What What's your best-case scenario for those five? Again, Dallas and St. Louis are pretty tough, and uh, there's no gimmies here, but I feel like there's at least a couple of winnable ones here. Yeah, it's, it's funny too. I feel like we say this like on the show a lot. Like for some reason, I always think that the Devils and Senators play every night. For some reason, I think the Islanders and Blues have played six times every year. <laughs> <I don't laughs> Feels that way, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I think I think they got you. You got to basically go like over the five. You got to get like at least like what eight points or so, uh, or seven mm. or seven eight points out of those five games because they are like you said they are winnable. The game, winning the game against the Capitals is supposed to be really nice, and then uh, yeah. you know maybe stealing one from from uh, either Dallas or or, or St. Louis uh, on the road would would be great. I think the, the the thing with the Oilers is is people started to say I saw like some articles this summer like is the NHL becoming kind of a superstar league where like the NBA where you need to have a guy like a McDavid or a Crosby whatever to, to succeed, mm. and I kind of I I disagree because like as amazing as Connor McDavid is they. You know, basically, he's playing 20 minutes a game. Hockey's such a random sport to begin with. You can't just, you, sure, he can leave a mark on every game, but he can't dominate, especially, you know, like, I guess, like a way that, uh, you know, Gretzky could because of just the, the area he played in. But uh, the, the Oilers kind of went with went went for broke last year with the way they wrote Talbot and stuff. I, I had him kind of pegged to, to kind of come back down to earth and, and not, not be near that. They think they were set for like 104 and a half points by Vegas over under. <laughs> Like not that. Yeah. yeah, because your your formula for success is also something every team in the league could prepare for. Like, hey guys, if you see number ninety seven on the ice, just mm. please do your best not to let him blow by you, and uh, <laughs> we should be all right. Like, mm. uh, so I, I I mean I think what like 
I'm not I'm not terribly surprised. And like you were saying with Strom, that it is kind of fortunate. But uh, you wonder how many like if he doesn't succeed with Connor McDavid and he kind of has that like as the scarlet letter on his you know that Tavares mm-hmm. and, and McDavid like where are you going to succeed? You wonder yeah. if, if if maybe he's uh, kind of on the wrong side of the mountain already. Yeah, it's it's a real shame, and you know I mean, and then of course like. A few people have pointed this out, like these reports come out on the night where Jordan Eberle scores his first two goals as an Islander, and he had already been playing pretty well. He just hadn't had any goals happen, and now hopefully you, you, the floodgates open, and he just potted a couple of good ones last night. So, uh, yeah, it's just that they're a very weird team, and I don't want to say like, oh, well, outside of McDavid, they're not good, and then watch you know Milan Lucic score four goals on the Islanders next Tuesday. So that would that would kind of suck too, but it's just that I agree with you with, with Talbot. You know, he had a great year last year, and, and he just hasn't quite been up the same way. And they, I don't even know if they have a backup goalie because uh, I haven't seen them seen him play at all. Uh, so that that's a winnable game right there that hopefully they can they can kind of get into. Um, Colorado, too. Uh, we were talking about this before. Arthur Staple, after the uh, the Arizona game, posted a stat that the Islanders are 22-4-4 and lifetime at Barclays Center against the Western Conference. So hopefully that holds against – Vegas, Colorado, and Edmonton in the next couple of weeks. Uh, that would be pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, I think you got to, you know, to get some something against the Caps would be huge, although they're it's in Washington. And they're not as great as they were, but they're still very, very good. Yeah. The Caps, I think, are going to be kind of sneaky when it comes to playoff time because they aren't, you know, they aren't on pace for the President's right. Trophy and 120 points. And so yeah. they could be kind of post-hypey. Right. They're also, they're always prone to, uh, you know, making a big trade at the deadline or something like that too, somehow fitting a guy under their cap. Uh, so I could see that happening too. So I would think that, yeah, you, you know, you take what you, you know, do the best you can against the caps, definitely take the two against the Western conference teams and then hope that you can split Dallas and St. Louis, both teams. Again, they're good, but they just haven't quite, you know, right. been sort of lights out lately. And, and uh, yeah, again, the, the Islanders have that recent history against the blues. They lost, they lost an overtime or in a shootout. I think they lost an overtime. Um, I think so. They were losing yeah. two nothing. They scored was, two in the third. Yeah, Columbus Day. Yeah, right. which already feels like a two seasons ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So hopefully they and can. Josh Hartank was still up on with the big club, and yeah, yeah. Right. So it was, uh, that was it. Yeah, that was a weird one. It does feel like a long time ago, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so that'll be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so it's packed week. Uh, we'll see where we're at uh, after that, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, this game against the uh, Golden Knights. Is not an embarrassment for yeah. the Islanders. Hopefully, it's it's an embarrassment for for Vegas, and they look like the expansion team that we all kind of expected them to look like. Yeah, um, I, think, I think the end product of this podcast now is is I kind of like drifted off and thought is I'm going to try to find a Wade Dublowitz jersey. <laughs> I'm sure eBay will have yeah, many many yeah. Wade Dublowitz jersey for you. I got to find one, possibly sold by Wade Dublowitz himself. <laughs> I, again, I was surprised he wasn't there. I kind of thought that he would be, but he he might still be playing somewhere. For all I know, right now, I don't even know. Yeah, I think he coaches like a a team in Invermere, British oh. Club. <laughs> where it's rough. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, okay, so uh, tell everybody your Twitter handle again. Uh, it's the Big Lebowski. Uh, the, the Big Lebowski. You can follow Mike there. You definitely should. Uh, you can follow me at Culture of Losing. Thank you so much for listening. Have a safe and happy Halloween, and we will be back with you. Uh, In a few weeks. Take care. Bye-bye.